I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but that's fucking what? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wocast, the final edition of 2019, the final edition of this decade. Now, you can probably hear the waves splashing and crashing in the background. <laughs> Our intrepid and roving uh, reporter, stroke media personality, stroke uh, media <laughs> magnet, ASG from WoTV, reporting from. Thailand, no less. Yes, reporting live from, I can't, you know me and not being able to pronounce anything that's not American. Um, I'm at a beach called Nahe or something like that, and it's beautiful. So the viewers, wow. our listeners, excuse me, can hear the, the waves breaking and I'm burning up on the beach having a good time. So I, I've been peeping your, your Facebook and I've been, you know, catching off its sleep up with you on uh, Twitter. What was going down over there? It looks like you're doing a bit of training as well. Yes, so my schedule is pretty much training in the morning, like private Muay Thai lessons, mm. and then I'll sneak in a group lesson or two once I get a little bit um, better. And then, um, but yeah, pretty much I'm at Ritachi Gym in Phuket, um, Thailand, and I'm fighting. I'm, you know, doing pad work and working with um, an instructor. And then once that's all said and done, I take a shower and I hit the streets and be a tourist. So it's a pretty cool uh, holiday, as you would say. Wow. How hard is it or how hard was it to actually unlearn um, some of the bad habits which, you know, does creep in and some of the things which, you know, aren't actually 100% bona fide because you're in the, in the heartland, as it were, for Muay Thai. I mean, how difficult was it actually, you know, adapting to what effectively is a, a new regime, a new style? Well, it's funny you say that because I showed up with um, mistakes that I've been making in my own training or what I've learned on my own. Yeah. So he's basically mm. cleaning up my kicks. But I will say that the instructor is happy that I do have somewhat of a background in it. I'm not from, you know, starting from jump and he's just cleaning things up. So he's happy to work with me. But nice. secondly, it's really hard to work out in such humid and outdoor <laughs> conditions when you're just used to the gym and air. Con you know, we're spoiled as Americans out here. You there's heavy bags and you're outside. It's humid mm. as hell and you're hitting the pad. I wanted to throw up, but I'm having a ball, believe it or not. Nice. Nice. Well, is it going to be anybody left to actually host the World Cast? Got you over there hitting pads with uh, Muay Thai aficionados, Muay Thai professionals. Got me over here getting... Um, pummeled to death or half to death by Jimmy Manua I mean you know I, I think we might have to have some stunt doubles or stand-ins right you know what I mean sometimes I wish there was a clone of me because between the traveling the podcast <laughs> and being a student and work I'm exhausted but Mike seriously you only have one life to live so I might as well make my dreams come true and this is like a dream trip I've always wanted to go to Thailand and have an instructor just fix and tweak all these little mistakes like you're not turning your hip you're not you know getting your balance mm. back after you throw a kick it's just so nice to have somebody just clean all that up and I can take it to the states and practice you know nice nice well maybe you know we might might get our, our own little um, fight club on considering as I say you're out there getting to grips with the, the rudiments of 
um, Muay Thai. And like I say, Jimmy Manu was uh, happy to continue uh, schooling me. As I'm not sure if you saw the video which went up. It was like a clip of what's actually coming out on Christmas Day. But he was uh, merciless in actually taking me through my paces. Plus... That's was, good. Uh, I, w- well, I would say I would say gracious in letting me know how I can es- escape some of his um, his uh, well his his lethal clutches. Oh yeah, well that's you needed some of that, Mikey. Sometimes every so often we need to be beat up. You know what I mean? Get humbled, fix our little <laughs> training mistakes, and get our old asses out there in the gym. I was so out of breath too. I was just like, hey, can I just get some water? Can I get some water? <laughs> wow. But, you know, as each day goes by, I'll probably get better and better and my cardio will go up. So, And, and uh, there's no quitting me. I might have needed some water breaks, but I don't quit, you know. Nice, nice. Well, cracking on with this, as I mentioned, the last episode of the decade, the last episode of 2019. Let's have a quick canter through, um, well, the main talking points of UFC Busan, which actually took place over the weekend. And I think it's only right, considering we are closing out the decade, to have a look, have a listen to some of our um, highlight standout moments. Not just you, but um, uh, as well as myself, but also Kairos as well. And possibly, you know, take a quick canter through some of the highlights of this year. But kicking off with the UFC's action over the weekend, the weekend just gone. UFC Busan, I have to say... Um, didn't turn out too badly. There were some highlights on it. For me, in particular, I, I did enjoy uh, Rakic taking on um, uh, Uzdemir. And um, I, I've got to admit, I was very surprised with that outcome. I did see, considering um, the tear that Rakic had been on, and considering that, you know, for, to a certain extent, Uzdemir had his role slowed ever so slightly. I was very surprised by that outcome. But I was also surprised by the lethal um, kicks that Uzdemir was handing out because it looked as though, you know, Rakic had actually grown another knee. Oh, my God. It's so funny you say that because I did see footage. I saw more footage of his um, third knee than I did of the actual fight. It was horrendous. Jeez, you know he's not walking either for a couple of days on that knee, buddy. No way. Oh, definitely. But, I mean, that's a good move to do, though. What We talked about this what um, on previous episodes. You take out somebody's leg, you mess up their whole game plan. So it's a good way to kind of get somebody off their game is to take out their legs. So it's a pretty good move oh, on Ozdemir's part. Yeah, especially, you know, a young lion like <laughs> Rakage, you know. You definitely got to take him out some way, somehow. And to target the leg was pretty smart. Oh, 100%. I mean, just, just, just whilst we're on Ozdemir and uh, Rakage, what do you reckon is next for... Um, who's the man? Um, I didn't really like his call-outs of trying to get rematches and whatnot. I think he still needs yeah. to... I wasn't too keen on that. I think he's right up there with, like, Corey Anderson and Jan... Ba- mm. um, oh, I can't stand it. Tell me his last name Jan, again. Jan Blackowicz. Jan Blackowicz. I think maybe the winner between them. But I'm just... I'm definitely not keen on him getting his rematches back. Dominic Reyes is fighting for the title, so we can scratch that. And... Um, Anthony Smith, I think it goes the same way. So, and, and it's not really anything that like gets me going. I just think he needs to keep making his way up the ladder so eventually he can fight for a title again because he's definitely somebody that is improving with each fight. What do you think? Hmm. Well, I, I, I was to be honest with you, I, I'm I'm exactly of the same opinion. I really do feel, you know, um, he needs to continue the momentum. He needs to actually keep the 
upward trajectory and I'm, I'm not 100 miles away from you know what you suggested there but you know what I'm more interested in seeing what's next for Rakic to be honest with you because he is devastating when it actually comes to performance I mean don't get me wrong for me from where I was sat that was a very close run thing but I'd really like to see him take on Johnny Walker I'd like to see Rakic and Johnny Walker in the cage. Oh, that would be nice. And I, I would put my money on Rackage. I think he knocks his head off, especially since Corey Anderson has exposed um, that Johnny Walker has a small issue with right hands. You know, I'm not saying, you know, he's been figured out. I'm just saying he's got a very, um, what's, what's the word I want to say? It's, it's a very obvious hole in his defense. And that's why Corey was able just to beat him up across that octagon like that. So I think with a flaw like that, and such a tremendous striker yeah. like Rake, he can, he's going to knock his head off. So, Mike, I saw online a lot of controversy about Ozdemir being the winner. Do you think he was the winner? Do you think um, it was a robbery, close fight? Like, what are your thoughts? Because I'm definitely seeing a lot a of, you know... Definitely, yeah. not definitely not a robbery. I mean, like I alluded to earlier, it was a very, very close one thing. Both men gave a fantastic account of each other. And, you know, you have to look at it like this. In terms of the striking battle, neither of them were relenting. And I, I really do feel as though, you know, perhaps just for my own um, um, education, I think, I, I want to get a bit more, especially in 2020, I want to get a bit, a bit more uh, to grips with judging and judging criteria because it always does baffle me when it does come to a, a close run thing how it is that they actually discern who the winner is I mean what criteria are they in terms of weight are they putting more towards especially now um, at this stage of the game and in 2020 like I say I think things have moved on and evolved and I, I just want to get a better appreciation because I never can be in a situation where I can like um, unequivocally say this person definitely won especially when it's such a close run thing but no, just to answer your question I don't think it was a robbery it was extremely close from where I was sitting and I'm not surprised they're very um, it was evenly matched there was no clear nobody could really call it you know what I mean with, the, with their yeah, impressive that. records they're both very good strikers Ozdemir has made such yeah. improvements in this game he used to just come barreling forward and just drop everybody like you know the way he had knocked out Jimmy Manawan a couple of other folks and now he's really patient picking his strikes also throwing in a little wrestling mm. a little grappling and it's nice to see him kind of like switch things up rather than come forward and come barreling at you and I think he's going to improve every fight but I just don't want to see the rematches that he wants you know he wants to run back no yeah you know th this whole no time moniker i'm glad he's kind of like ditched that because that's quite um dare i say a reckless approach you're right he has kind of like pared it back ever so slightly there's a more methodical more um discerning and more um, intelligent approach to his fights now and um, yeah. that's, that's quite refreshing to see but you know i think occasionally just to mix it up we'd like to well i certainly would like to see the return of no time absolutely i think that loss to dc kind of really set that um his path in motion as far as as being more tactical mm. and patient and whatnot i think sometimes when you fight for a title and you really think you're the best guy out there and you get mopped up you really have to revamp and change things and i think that's what we're seeing so i still want him to take his time with um challengers and make his way eventually back up and you know fight john jones that i would like to see that but let's give him a couple more fights no oh, definitely you know? and talking about you know paths in motion uh, following losses frankie edgar versus the korean zombie what a one-round war 
Man, that was incredible. I, I take it you saw the highlights, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I saw the highlights, read a couple articles, and I mean, I didn't really miss much because he went down, Frankie went down in the first round. Mm. And what I did see was that Korean Zombie was just having his way with him, and exactly in the way in which you and I described. Yeah. And I think we discussed this last you know, episode, or maybe amongst ourselves, I can't even remember. But if you keep Frankie at the end of your punches and let him come in and you just counter the hell out of him, that's it. That's how you win. And that's what happened. Ortega did it with that uppercut. And then you see Korean Zombie perfectly as soon as Frankie comes in. Pop, pop, pop. Couple, couple uppercuts, couple right hands, couple lefts, and then that's it. But the only thing that I will say is that Frankie just can't take a shot anymore. This is definitely not the Frankie that got pummeled by Gray Maynard, did five flips, came back and won the fight. Well, when you think about it Definitely like this, not the same guy. When you think about it like this, he's coming down in weight. And I always put a lot of store by this. Your brain is actually going to be propped up by water. You're actually depleting your body um, well, of water. What do you expect? And plus, and when we're talking about the Korean zombie, this come-forward style, the come-forward approach, the relentless pace that he puts on, there's no way that Frankie Edgar wasn't going out. Oh, absolutely. And I also, um, we also discussed this before, and I've said it on Twitter, his boxing is getting crispier and crispier. You know, when he first started, when we first started to notice him in the WEC and all his other fights, he was a brawler. Mm. Just a straight brawler. You can't call him that now. You cannot call Korean Zombie a brawler. Not after that destruction of Mokano. Not after what you saw with Frankie Edgar. I mean, these are wonderful, you know, strikes. Just fundamentally and just technically beautiful boxing. And we didn't always see that from him. So, like um, like I was just saying about Ozdemir, Korean Zombie, believe it or not, is getting better and better. And Frankie is on the decline. But I will say this, Mike. Mm. I'm a little kind of confused as to why Frankie took that fight in the first place knowing he has another one coming up with Corey Sanhagen and it really does a disservice to the fans that bought tickets for that fight because it was a main event and I highly doubt he's going to fight Corey Sanhagen after this bit of an odd narrative to sell after that loss and plus I mean I can answer that I reckon he took the fight because he's expressed in the past look I'm a fighter I fight now when you look at it he's as game as the next guy so I, I have to say, I, I, I do agree that um, him coming in on late notice was a brilliant idea. I can't think of, off the top of my head, um, another fighter who would have been um, an easy person to slot in, considering the style. Styles makes fights. I know it's an old cliche, but the style that was on display there, it was incredible seeing that. But you're right, Sanhagen, I can't see how you actually sell that. I can't see that actually taking um, place. And I'm not sure, but I've not actually read it. But I saw something out there in which um, I thought um, Frank Edgar gave a statement. Now, I wasn't sure whether it was leaning towards, you know, taking a bit of time off or basically um, taking uh, stock of whether the move down was a, a, a good idea. But I'm not sure if you saw any of that. Yeah, I didn't see much of it, especially since, you know, I've been traveling for the past few days. I've only caught a few things. But I mean... Like me and you always talk about, we can't tell fighters when to retire. Yeah. We, you know, Frankie seems to be in good health. He's just slightly declining, a little slower, been figured out, and getting older. So he's got to adjust to his age. And you've seen fighters adjust to their age and still be successful. Look at Jose Aldo. Mm. No more leg kicks, but he's fighting quite well because he's fighting 
well at his age he's adjusted and I think Frankie's gonna have to make those types of changes like all right I'm a older fighter now I'm slowing down what can I do to keep getting these wins under my belt yeah. as an older fighter I don't necessarily think he needs to like retire he just needs to adjust to what's not really clicking anymore that's it and I think he's he's the type of guy to do that because he's determined and he's 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 not washed up yet I refuse to believe that but let him be a gatekeeper of some sort he does not need to be trying to fight for the title right now and let him go on vacation and rest up, you know? I, uh, you're right. We, we have this, con- well, this, this constant dialogue on, you know, not being in a position, never should we be in a position to actually advise a fighter when to quit. So I really do feel you're, you're right. He does need to take stock, maybe take some time away and actually contemplate exactly where he goes next. But segueing neatly then um, into our first um, foray into what actually happened what transpired in the last decade which made us say whoa I think it's time for Kairos' Corner what is going on everybody I am Kairos let's talk about my three whoa moments of the decade starting off with number one we got Quentin Rampage Jackson signing with Bellator in 2013 and before you guys give me some crap about this hear me out Rampage opened up the door for a lot of prominent fighters, not just in the UFC, but other organizations to test free agency and look for competing deals. Who followed suit after Rampage signed to Bellator? Guys of the likes of Rory McDonald, Ryan Bader, Matt Mitrione, and the list goes on and on. Paul Daly, like, you got to be kidding me. Bellator stole so much talent and cultivated such a great roster that they are putting on amazing fight cards, amazing fights. And do not get it twisted. Bellator is also taking and honing their own crop of talent, and they're going to have an exciting 2021. Guys the likes of AJ McKee, Douglas Lima, etc. Be ready because Bellator is coming with the vengeance. Coming in next at number two is UFC 157 in 2013, Ronda Rousey versus Liz Carmouche. And before you guys hit me with, but Kairos, Ronda Rousey's a bad person. I don't like her. You don't have to like her, but you better respect her legacy and accomplishments. This woman brought women's mixed martial arts to the forefront, the mainstream of MMA. It headlined the event. They broke records for what they did. You guys don't understand, not you guys. To you people who are apprehensive about this, you don't understand the magnitude of what she accomplished. There are so many stars now benefiting from what she did, not just in MMA, but in other sports and in cinema and in another thing. She has trailblazed an entire generation of culture, art, and women's empowerment. And if you don't like it, that's okay. It's your right to choose what you like and do not like. But I'm just stating my opinion and my list. And last but certainly not least, we have UFC 205. Yes, very recent. Why am I talking about this? Because MMA was illegal in New York for decades. It was a product of shady politics, and the man responsible is now sitting in prison. I won't even utter his name because he's irrelevant. Why is this so monumental? The garden had never been sold out to the degree that it was in this event, and it proved that MMA could be sustainable. There were people coming up and talking to me about this event who don't even watch mixed martial arts, saying, Kairos, I did not know this sport was so great. Oh my gosh, why didn't you talk about it? They talked about all three of the title fights, which I believe was Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez. You had Tyron Woodley versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and I believe Joanna Janjacek versus Karolina Kovacavich. Don't quote me on that. But... Ultimately, it led up to me finding a newfound passion for MMA and even beginning to talk about it, starting my YouTube channel, starting my Twitter. You know, this event changed my entire outlook and trajectory, and I'm forever grateful for it. Anyway, those are my top three 
whoa moments. Tell me what you guys are. Thank you all so much for this opportunity as well. I am so grateful for it. Have an excellent 2021. Have an excellent rest of your 2020. I'm Kairos. Have a great day. Well, I, I got to agree with Kairos and, you know, no other figure in terms of impact, in terms of influence and in terms of life-changing opportunities um, has actually come on the scene um, as big as Ronda Rousey when it comes to women's mixed martial arts. Not only did she, you know, change Dana White's mind, you know, she actually put on a dazzling display, especially, you know, in the early forays of mixed martial arts prowess. But as well as that, you know, established the brand, I feel, of women's mixed martial arts. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kairos hit it on the head, meaning like, whether you like her or not, mm. she did her thing mm. for MMA, okay? She put women's MMA on the map. She had someone like Dana White who said women will never fight in the UFC. You know, he, she changed his mind. And then not only did she change his mind, he went all out for women's MMA and continues to do so. And if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be experiencing Irene Aldana knocking someone out like that. We wouldn't be seeing Amanda Nunes becoming the GOAT. And Facts. Carol's is absolutely right. I'm one of those people that doesn't care for Ronda Rousey, but at the same time, I respect the hell out of her for what she did for the business. Mm. You just can't, you know? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, <clears throat> it'd be, uh, be remiss of us not to actually touch on ours. Now, one of the ones I wanted to lead with, it made me say, whoa, because one, it was unexpected. It made me say, whoa, because it came from the field. It made me say, whoa, because never in a million years... Could I imagine Dana White having anything positive to say about this organization? But it was when the UFC bought Strike Force. That, for me, was a real pivotal moment, a seminal moment, a turning point in mixed martial arts. Because then, when you think about it, the then number two um, was actually consumed by the worldwide leader uh, and ranked number one mixed mar- martial arts organization and actually bought out Strike Force. That, for me, as I say, was a very very surprising time because of the fact that you know up until then Dana White had been calling Strike Force the Bush League when it came to mixed martial arts. Plus, you know, this ongoing feud or the the, the then ongoing feud uh, between him and Scott Coker, I couldn't see both men actually sitting around uh, a business table and actually thrashing out a deal. Wow. I mean, how could we forget? You know, this was a huge move mm. for the UFC to absorb this. You know what I mean? And I will, I will be honest here, you, Michael, you know I don't like change. So Dana White can call Strikeforce and, you know, other organizations B-level, but I kind of liked having B-levels because when the UFC was having an off night or they weren't showing any fights, I hopped on Strikeforce. And how could you not like Strikeforce? I mean, Mike, how can you not forget the Scrap Pack? The Scrap Pack acting a fool and attacking Jason Ham Miller the first time they ever get to go on TV. Exactly. On CBS. How could you not forget the melee? The wars with Josh Thompson and, and um, Gilbert Melendez. You know, Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate having their first battle. Which that fight was actually the my favorite one out of both their battles. Yeah. That one, it was a back and forth, beautiful grappling exchange. It was no joke. And how could you forget? I, I mean, mean, how could... For, for me, one of yeah. the, the seminal moments in Strike Force was Daly versus Diaz. That was an incredible fight. Now, not only did, did they give us all of those seminal moments, but I personally don't believe that they were the B-League. I, I personally feel 
that they were giving uh, the UFC a run for their money. And in terms of talent, you don't then turn around after calling them the B-League um, and then acquire them if you don't secretly, deep down inside, respect the hell out of what they brought to the table. And that's what I was just about to say. He was calling them the B-Leagues, but yeah. you saw that he had to buy the B-Leagues yeah. real quick to get them to just stop with their momentum that they had because I had no complaints at Strike Force whatsoever. You know what I mean? So, And people... There was like a, a little strike force following. The fact that it was able to be aired on CBS says something, you know, and it was very smart of Dana to absorb it because at first I don't like change and I didn't like it because I wanted like my UFC nights and some nights I wanted to watch strike force. But when they were absorbed, yeah. I saw the beautiful, you know, matchups, for instance, Diego Sanchez versus Gilbert Melendez. Amazing. You know, let's not forget Masvidal was also a strike force fighter. True. And now I'm watching him fight Al Iaquinta. And I've been a Masvidal fan since day one. So to see him now fighting UFC folks was just like, this is awesome. I completely changed my mind on being a brat about, you know, wanting two separate organizations. Mm. You know, but Daniel now that Cormier. it's been absorbed, I'm up. Oh, Daniel Cormier, undefeated in strike force and was a phenom then yeah. and still is now, you know. There's just we could go back and forth. Let's not forget Fedor. Remember the whole controversy is Fedor gonna sign with the true, UFC true. or Strike Force yeah. and he, he showed up at Strike Force. We were shocked. I couldn't believe it when um Dana could not retain him for the UFC and he was like, No, nah, I'll go to Strike Force. Mm-hmm. I was like, Holy shit. You know? It was it's it was a it was a great but surprising moment. Yeah. For um, mixed martial arts, but it panned out beautifully because now look. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, as I say, that was my start for ten in terms of moments and um, items and you know elements in MMA history that well, made me say whoa. But over to you. Well, I've got a moment mm. for you, Mike, and it kind of relates to this one. I think, um, I think uh, Holly Holm knocking out Ronda Rousey was one of the biggest moments for me in okay. the decade. That that knockout had me screaming at the top of my lungs, running around the couch in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, like like a maniac. Because I was one of those people that, although I disliked Ronda, I just knew she was going to win. Yeah. She had me as a believer. I thought she was going to get Holly home in the clinch, take her down and do what she do, which is take people's arms home. And instead, I saw Holly home not only kick her in the face for the win, but she embarrassed her. Mm. I mean, the amount of time she slipped her and kept it moving and Rhonda was still facing the cage and, and Holly was on the other side was just astounding. Like, it kind of exposed Rhonda as far as, like, you're not as elite as you think you are. Like, you still need to work on footwork and boxing, although you are a great, a great, great fighter. But it showed that she had some work to do. Like, that head movement shit is real. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. So, I, I think that's a huge moment in MMA huge now I, I just wanted to, to to grab the reins again I know we're not playing top trumps but I think from a UK perspective a lot of people um, look to Michael Bisping as the poster boy as it were for UK mixed martial artists and you know whilst he has done incredible um, well he has brought incredible uh, attributes to the table I really do uh-huh. feel the uh, person who's not getting enough mention 
from where I'm sat and from where I'm sitting is Jimmy Manua. You've got to think about it like this. He came to the game late. Now, whilst he has retired, I think that was one of those moments that made me say, whoa, him being signed to the UFC. I'll tell you why. He turned down the UFC twice. A lot of people, they grab the UFC. Really? Yeah. They grabbed the UFC with both hands as soon as they offered it. He was offered it twice and he said, no, I'm not ready. He honed his skills on the local circuit, UC MMA, Ultimate Challenge Mixed Martial Arts, uh, on the local circuit in East London for a few years before uh, transitioning into Bama. Now, from Bama, he then was signed to the UFC. But my point is this, for someone who's picked this up late in the game, he has gone leaps and bounds because you know let's not forget he was a he was a, a title holder um an unbeaten title title holder as it were um before he actually came to the ufc but this is somebody who picked his moment before he actually signed on the dotted line you know going in there against you know this was his first bout in the ufc going in there against someone like a killer um someone with a reputation like carl kingsbury was no joke and to smoke him in the way that he did i mean he took some punishment it was commendable um the amount of damage that he took and uh, there's a little little funny story about that after you know spending what was it two and a half was it three rounds actually cracking him relentlessly in the face you know to us to us to the extent where he broke carl kingsbury's orbital bone he actually um well, he met him on the train back to London the very next day after the fight uh, had, um, had finished, which was a little bit of an awkward encounter, let's just say that. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, wow, that's very interesting. I never knew that about him, you know. I'm a typical States fan. When he showed up on the scene in the UFC, that's where my interest in him began, so that's pretty pretty cool to hear all that stuff about him prior to and i also like when fighters are like no i'm not ready the ufc is the best league in the you know it's the best organization it has the best mixed martial artists and i am not ready and that is you know who else is like that israel adesanya Mm. there's a reason why you know he's the champion and his reign in the ufc hasn't been that long and he hasn't even been in the ufc that long because i believe his kickboxing record is 74 and 5 so he showed up to the ufc with plenty of kickboxing experience and prior to coming to the UFC he trained in wrestling and takedown defense and grappling so I like when fighters are like that you know they're like no I'm not ready let me keep working on the regional circuit and let me get better and better so that I can really showcase my skills and just be a factor maybe be a um, future title contender and I think that's really smart exactly you know? exactly so that is a pleasure to hear and and some of these names might not actually mean anything to you but before joining the UFC you know he was taking out people like um, Jamie Hearn, a, a seasoned boxer who'd actually you know, transitioned into mixed martial arts. He took out Absolutely. Luke Blythe. Again, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people don't know these names, but Valentino Petrescu, who you may remember was in on the Tough Series, but he took him out in devastating fashion. We're talking about KOs here. So, you know, for him to actually go into the UFC take out Kyle Kingsbury, take out Cyril Diabati, take out Ryan Jimmo, you know, you know, take out Jan Blackowitz. And let's not, you know, forget he's got a win over him. Ovin St. Prue knocked him out. Corey Anderson knocked oh, him yeah. out. Do you know what I mean? He's got some real um, feathers to stick in his cap by way of 
um, the fact that he came to this he has late something in the a game, lot of fighters he's, he's made a big big impression yeah yeah he has something a lot of fighters don't have and it's just natural raw power so, yeah. in his hands yeah you're right that's it you're right and like I say you know, it's just something that you can't train for it's just something that's in you you put all the mechanics together you sit down on your punches and people are literally going to bed and yeah. that's what Jimmy has you know exactly exactly and we talk more about this actually in a extended interview which airs on Christmas Day 25th of December 3pm um, GMT but it's a real in-depth look at where Jimmy's at in terms of his mind state now you might remember recently he tweeted that you know he was looking to get back to work and uh, he covers all this and more i'm not going to say too much because i want people obviously right to tune don't in, say too much yeah yeah make sure um if you're listening to this you actually log on to wotv.com on the 25th december and check out what jimmy has to say but no back to you your moment of the decade yeah um sorry it's a little loud over here mike as you can hear that's, okay. that's a families and stuff so excuse the talking um did you just ask me for another um moment for me yeah let's, 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 let's yeah let's have one more um one one, one oh, more no problem no problem i can answer that question a big moment for me is just conor mcgregor being in the ufc i mean I will admit that right now I've grown to somewhat dislike him because of his antics outside of the cage yeah. and his long layoff, layoffs and not defending the belt. However, you cannot take away what he did for this sport. You can't take away how each and every one of us, whether you're a hardcore fan, a casual, or someone who is new to this sport and only know of him, how we each, how we all fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. Like, period. I mean, he went from just new coming brash talking prospect to just somebody that came backed his shit up entertained us he made us laugh and then he did things that were unimaginable who the hell knocks out jose aldo in 13 damn seconds exactly oh my god and then he just and then i love that he took that and he ran with it and you know and he hasn't stopped since i mean he's definitely hit the pause button hasn't defended the belt but what he has done for MMA has been something that we've we've never seen in in WEC MMA UFC we've never seen someone like this before and I, I'm 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 unsure if we ever will so I do appreciate what he brought to the sport and I love the way he entertained me when he was on top of things and believe it or not I hate to say it I look forward to his return to see exactly where he's at when he fights Cowboy so the saga continues Mike I mean uh, what are your I, thoughts? I think I think you know you took the word right out of my mouth in terms of um, what I was going to mention as my closing I know there's so many that we can actually um, talk about and I want you know people listening to this um, to interact with us on Twitter and give us your moment of the decade but you're exactly right when you say that he's made significant waves and you know I would say in terms of um, progress and prowess and what he has done not just for himself but for other people in the sport because of his brash nature and demanding nature and just asking for things and ensuring that he gets it we have to um, remember he also changed the game in terms of how fighters are actually respected by promotions as well but let's also look at you know the, 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 the people who actually took out where people were saying that oh he's only a stand up fighter he won't be able to actually contend with a wrestler he took Chad Mendes to school. Remember that. Let's just remember that. 
Yeah. Plus, at the time... That's another moment. Yeah, exactly. At the time, a shooting star, someone who was on a stellar rise, Dustin Poirier, took him to school, destroyed him. Let's not forget I mean, that. He made people... No, because, Mike, what he did was he took people that are really good at fighting and made them look almost minuscule or silly. Like, he, he knocked out Aldo yes. in 13 seconds. Right, there mm. you go. That's the word. Ordinary. Perfect word. Thank you, Michael. He made Dustin Poirier look ordinary, and he was on somewhat of a tear at the time, you know. And every fight that Conor had, I doubted him. I was like, oh, he hasn't been tested in wrestling yet. He's known Me as a striker. Chad, even on a mm. short camp, will take him out. And in the beginning, I was like, look, I told you. Then what happens? That left hand it's too heavy chad didn't have the gas tank took him right out jose aldo in 13 seconds and then let's not forget yeah the way in which he dismantled eddie alvarez looked like something out of a movie or a video game i i i even had trouble just not not that i lost respect for eddie but i just every time i saw him i on tv i was just like man connor killed you like it took me a while to kind of get over the ptsd of him getting Mm. just beat up like that and Eddie Alvarez is a dog. You know what I mean? Like, that's not somebody that gets beat up like that. That's somebody that if you beat him, you better fight to the death. How many wars have we seen Eddie Alvarez and then Connor showed up and just kind of like lightning fast, just pummeled him and that was it, hands behind his back and then took his belt. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just such a, it was just such an enjoyable time in MMA when he was on top of the game. Oh, I can't definitely. front. And not only that, let's not let's not um, leave out. Let's it not leave fun. out Nate Diaz whilst he fought him twice. You know he has a win now over Nate oh, yeah. Diaz, and he is a formidable, rough, rugged, and durable fighter who, you know, he took to a majority oh, yeah. decision. So let's not forget that as well. Because I think that's what we like about Connor is that. He has like he's a he's like a package man. Like he has this phenomenal personality. He talks a lot of shit. We all love that. We all love somebody oh, yeah. that talks shit. And then what does he do? He backs it up. Whether we believe him or not, he's like, I'm gonna make Jose Aldo look just silly out there. And that's what he did. And after a while you're like, you know, this mystic Mac name suits you. But all he was doing was teaching us about like the laws of attraction. All you got to do is believe in yourself and work hard and you can make things happen too. And I think that's why a lot of people, it resonated with them. And then let's not forget the whole Ireland True. angle of it. He's, he's putting European MMA yeah. on the map. He put a whole country on his back. Have you seen um, the fans when he fights? Do you see how Ireland, the flights and people coming from all across the country to come see him with their I flags? I would say that was my Woo. most memorable moment ever. And, um, you know, I know we, we can sit here all day and talk about seminal moments in MMA, um, but particularly this decade, that Absolutely. was one of them. I mean, sitting there cage side and listening to that crowd, the deafening crowd in Dublin, Ireland, when he had his coming out party against Diego Brandao was a moment I will never, ever forget. Forget just talking about mixed martial arts. And listen to what you said, Diego mm. Brandao. Right, and early in his career, Mike. Like, let's not forget that this wasn't, like, his first title defense. That that wasn't... That moment you're describing, I believe, was a preliminary fight. Don't hold me to it. But it was very early in Conor's career. And look at at what you remember from this. No, that that was the main... One of his very first fights. um, (laughs) Diego Brandao versus Conor McGregor was uh, the main event at UFC Dublin. Oh, it was the main event. Excuse me. But I just remember it being so early in his career. And yet he still had that type of fan base. You know what I mean? Unbelievable. Even talking about him makes me miss that era. 
And it's, I think too, Mike, not to bring down the mood, but I think that's why people like me and, and especially women MMA fans are fans that are just disheartened with his behavior. I think this is why we're so heartbroken because he, he made us so happy at, at one yeah. point. Yeah. You know, so we're just, hopefully he recaptures us again when he goes back in there and possibly wins and makes us laugh. So hopefully, you know, he can bring back some of that charisma and his winning ways and, and win us over again. But even just talking to you now, it's like I, I missed this about, about MMA. He brought such excitement. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, before we uh, wrap up this episode, I wouldn't mind um, touching on an award ceremony which we're going to be holding in 2020. Basically, it's looking back over 2019 and giving the Wocast Award yeah, for the I'm winners, for the runners and riders. Now, it'll be in, in, on, on the judging panel, it'll be myself, yourself, um, Kairos and Chizanga Malata. But I wouldn't mind, you know, just, just touching on just one, just possibly one moment in 2019 that made you say, whoa. Can we also incorporate maybe MMA Twitter and some podcasts that we, you know, oh, I definitely. listen to because I definitely listen to a lot of MMA Twitter podcasts and shout out to all of you. They're pretty oh, dope. Oh, 100%. But do, do you have any, just before we go, do you have any or do you have one that you could like cling to and say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put this forward. And uh, that was my uh, uh, um, moment of 2019. Um, you mean a moment or a podcast? Remember, it's loud out here, Mike, so I might need some It, it can either be a moment or a podcast or anything that made you say, whoa, in 2019. Just whilst you ponder that, I'm going to jump in then with mine. Um, for me, one of the moments in 2019 that made me say, whoa, was Israel Adesanya. First of all, the walkout. The walkout slayed me. The best walkout I've ever seen. I know people were actually putting forward their walkout moments um, in terms of what was spectacular to them. But for me, Izzy coming out there, nailing that walkout, acrobatics, theatrics, then going out there and finishing Robert Whittaker in such devastating fashion, it made me, I, I just, just could, it, it blew my mind. It was nothing like it. It's perfection. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it was perfection. I'm, I don't want to take away from your moment, but I do want to speak of it. Yeah. I am someone that does not like the entertainment aspect of the UFC. Really? And I can tell you right now that that walkout changed my whole yeah. world. Like, I was like, if, if people can walk out like that or, like, actually take their time to choreograph it and make mm. it nice like that. And, and then it was sentimental. Those were his friends. There was meaning behind it. I'm, I'm all for it. Like, you won't hear me say shit or complain about that aspect of MMA if you're going to do it that well, like Israel Asanya. And then after that, he beats Robert Whittaker exactly. like it was nothing. An incredible moment, incredible. But for me, I'll just give for me, I'll just give a quick shout out to a podcast that I've been listening to kind of consistently, and that would be Juice's podcast, Fighting um, with Myself podcast. I think it's a really, really good podcast. It's hella long, Juice. You'd be <laughs> killing me, but it's really, really good. And no, I keep it real. You know what I mean? It's hella long, but I think it's a really good podcast, and it's nice to have like a podcast that I found on MMA Twitter to become part of my daily, you know, routine because I'm a podcast head. So shout out to you for making that a part of my life and you guys need to check it out. So that's one of my 2019 favorite okay, well, like I said, We're going to be visiting this in depth probably on the first podcast back from um, our little break here. And uh, that basically wraps up this episode 
the last episode for 2019, the last episode of the decade. Gee, I just wanted to thank you in terms of moments of 2019. My moment would be having you come on board. You've actually changed the game. You've actually introduced an element which I think was lacking and that is the interaction with the fans and basically making things more real and, you know, um, enhancing the brand and allowing us, you know, to make some trouble. So thank you for coming on board and thank you for everything that you bring. Plus, representing at UFC events stateside, that is an angle which I've been wanting to have for a decade now and it's beautiful to see that well, realised. It's so funny you say that because I did want to say that that was my moment but I didn't want to make it about <laughs> me but it, this year has been huge <laughs> for for this broadcast and adding me on and, and just thank you so much and allowing me to be able to talk MMA with somebody else that loves it just as much as me and finally I have a friend that I can talk to about MMA so thank you Mike and I appreciate it and I look forward to doing more things and, and talking even more with you so Amazing. you know I'm very happy here nice. and thank you. Well, until next year, makes some trouble. That's right, always, Mike. Talk to you later.